I was thinking of worship about why did the Lord give us uh, worship and pray and things such as fasting and the word and it all it all comes down for me personally to this thing of a lifting of our heads that when we do these th different things that foundation to our Christianity the Lord takes us it's a bit of food but the Lord takes us and he lifts our, our heads and, and, and look upon him because uh, the biggest thing is if our eyes are on the stress and uh, the circumstances and the things of this life, it is very easy to become anxious. It is very easy to become stressed out. And it's very easy, uh, because we are sinful human beings, that our wheel alignment is a little bit off. And we find ourselves further and further away from the Lord as our eyes are on the wrong place. And I was reminded, um, this is not on my notes, but um, a couple of weeks ago, we had a training time with um, a lady called Liz East. And Liz East said that healing is walked out in community. Healing is walked out within community. And I want to encourage you guys. We spoke about the healing of the heart, physical healing. We spoke about anxiety. We spoke about all of these different things. And I want to say healing, healing is sometimes walked out within the context of these people sitting around you. Amen? Amen. So... I want to speak about something as we, we can put up the, the hair for us tonight. Your fridge, my fridge. Amen. 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 Yes. And the people that is busy, um, you can hear the buzz. They're probably Josh Jenners. They're probably people that's already members and they know what this what this means. But for those of you that is quite new with us coming a, a week or two or month or three or whatever. Uh, the more, the longer you are with us, you will start to hear people speaking about my fridge and your fridge. And I want to speak about this concept. And what this is all about is the following. That before you become a member, we have this extremely cheesy thing that we do. Okay? And the new members come and stand in front and the old members stand up. Um, and it looks quite like intimidating. But what they do is they actually make a declaration. And it goes something like this. From today on, what is in my fridge is yours. But also, what is in your fridge is mine. And what they are declaring, and I know for some of you, like, I don't even have a fridge. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but for others of you, it is actually what they are declaring to one another is this very thing. That my life no longer is my own. It belongs to you. My money is yours. My house is yours. My fridge and food is yours. My time and energy is yours. And likewise, as you, I commit myself to you, I believe that as we commit ourselves to the Lord, that you would do likewise. And that I will not be needy because I have brothers and sisters that support me, that could actually feed me physically. That I don't have need in this life because of the brothers and sisters around me. And it's actually a beautiful thing that I believe is rooted within the scriptures. And I want to unpack that a little bit. that good? So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures just laying a biblical foundation for what I believe is community living. And I'm going to speak about this. What does it mean your fridge is my fridge and my fridge is your fridge? What is community living and how did the early church live this out? And then I want to go into practical things for all of us to, because I think many times we, we speak about theological concepts and never root it down into practical application. 
I think true theology needs to be lived out somewhere. We can't just stay there in the clouds. Somebody needs to live this stuff, okay? And I believe it needs to be us. Okay. So we can go to Acts 2, 42. Hallelujah. Yes, here we go. To 47. And in context of this, this is just after 3,000 people got saved in Jerusalem after Peter preached, they got baptized. And then after that, um, they stayed in Jerusalem and started to form the first church that we know of. And then we start to see that this is actually a great like, explanation of how they actually lived. And you guys can read with me. I'm just going to read here in front. Um, Acts 2, 42. And this is going to be the foundation scripture that we anchor everything that we're going to speak about in. And they, speaking about the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to praise. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And this is me such an incredible, 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 incredible portion of scripture because this is a group of 3,120 people, okay? There was in the beginning 120 people, 3,000 got added, and now they're like, cool, how do we do this Christian thing? Good question, right? So they, just, they came together, they started to follow Christ. They gave their life over to Christ. They committed their life to Jesus. And all of a sudden, they started to give of themselves to one another, to the teachings of the apostles. They prayed together. Signs and wonders started to break out through the apostles. And as we read on, the deacons later on started to pray for the sick and they started to get healed. And later on, nameless and faceless um, people that we don't know starting to pray for people, preach the gospel, and people starting to get saved. We see that they didn't only go to church or their synagogue on a Wednesday and on a Sunday. But day by day, they attended the temple. Day by day, they were fellowshipping together, being together, living together, together. And the word that stands out for me in this portion is all. All had everything in common. All attended the temple. All was all. Everyone. How does that look like in our context? Because for them, it was 3,120 people that all attended church, that all broke bread together and prayed. It is absolutely miraculous. How will they know that we are the disciples of Jesus? By the love we have for one another. And I think it was evident in this portion of Scripture. There's a is an amazing man named Will Murray. He was one of our apostles and he passed away a couple of months ago. But he always said the following thing uh, in many of his preachers. If you go and listen to it, you will hear the following. If we want to live the way that they live, then we need to do the things they did. Okay? If we want to live the same lifestyle as them, we need to do actually the things that they did. But 
To be able to do what they did, we need to know what they knew. And the question that lies is, what did they know? What did the early church know in their hearts? What was their belief system that enabled them to live the way that they did? Because I think we can look at this 2,000 years ago and say, Henry, that's for their culture. That's for their um, church culture back then. But for us, we're very busy. We are sucked into a lot of studies and work and things like that. But I do believe that this is actually for us as well. That if we get our priorities right, we will live like this. We will start to see the love of God in our midst flow out. So the question then lies is, what did they know? And two more scriptures that I want to look at. Galatians 2 verse 20, and this is Paul writing, he said the following. I, Paul, have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. Paul is an amazing man of God. I, I love his writings. I love everything about him. And I, and I dearly love him as a person because of what he has given us. But I think Paul saw something. He knew something that enabled him to live the way that he lived. Radical. I think two-thirds of the New Testament was written by Paul the Apostle. Paul knew that as he came to Jesus and he gave his life over to Jesus, that his life is no longer his own. And I trust that all of us will reach that point somewhere in our Christianity that I can say, you know, his life doesn't really matter anymore. But it's only what Christ accomplished through me. That his desires is now my desires. His life that he wants me to live and his purposes is my purposes. And I live the way that Christ desires for me and not my own desires. And I think there is a progression. All of us are still growing in the Lord. But I believe we need to strive for this thing that he knew that his life is no longer his own. 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to tie up with last week that we spoke about baptisms, okay? So baptisms, um, yes, it was an awesome Sunday, right? Yes, it was next level. It looked like a Hollywood movie with all of those flashlights outside. and It was just awesome. But the thing about baptism is this, that we are no longer alive because as we go in the water, we die. And as we come out of the water, there's a new creation in Christ Jesus. So let's read the scripture because it ties up actually with community living. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 13 says the following. For just as the body is one and has many members, so speaking about a physical body that has different members, it has an arm, it has a head, it has an ear, it has an eye, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one spirit. What did they know? I believe they knew when, when they came to the Lord that they were not only baptized into Jesus, but they were baptized into His body. And the body refers to the church of Jesus Christ. I believe that the early church knew that when they came to Jesus, when they gave their life to Jesus, that they were actually baptized not only into Christ, but into His body, 
him being the head and us being the body, we are found together. But something strange, I don't think it's something new. I think it's something that across all generations, people have tried to divorce God and the church. I don't need the church. I can just follow God. I believe biblically and scripturally, as you go through this, you cannot. The two is inseparable from one another. You cannot divorce the two from one another. As you get baptized into Christ, you get baptized into His body. The two is one. In my own life, um, I remember it's the 22nd of September 2013. I went on a church camp and I had a radical encounter with the Lord. Uh, I wasn't seeking for Jesus and all of a sudden He was seeking for me very hard. And I gave, yeah, I gave in and I'm like, something happened in my heart. I can't explain it. Nobody shared the gospel with me. But it was the Henry that walked in and the Henry that walked out was a different Henry. And then in the matter of a couple of days um, and weeks, not years and months, but in weeks, I started to seek Jesus. In the scriptures, I started to pray. I started to try to figure out what happened in my heart, what happened here. And it led me to a youth group. It led me to the search that as I wanted to follow God, it led me to the people of God. That on Friday nights I started to go to a youth group, week in and week out. Later on I went every Sunday to church. Because something was drawn in me that as I was seeking God and I, and I was looking for Him, I was looking for answers even in the people of God. Because I was seeing Jesus in individuals. That man carried something of God. That man or that lady carried a characteristic of God and I loved it. I was drawn to it. Later on, um, it's lovely to have my parents here as well. And they love attention. Give them a lot of attention. <laughs> but later on, my brother, um, he calls me, he's playing booty, but I'm actually two years older than him. Mark, you But Ruan started to serve the Lord with me. And we, this was us on a, we had prayer meetings. They call it all night prayer meetings. So we'd start off at seven-ish or six and we'd pray till the next morning at seven. So we would go to the church, my brother and I, and we would take our little mattress and our pillows and we would be off to church. My dad would drop us off there. We would take our mattress and then we would pray. Throughout the night, we'd pray, we'd pray, we'd pray, then we'll fall asleep. And just like they in the middle of the prayer meeting, we'll just fall asleep. And when we wake up, the elders will be around us, speaking in tongues and going crazy. And it's like, Lord. And that was church for me. I slept in the prayer meetings. I, I slept in the presence of God. I was with the people of God, but I was with God and with the people. But the two wasn't different from one another because it was so... Yeah. intertwined with yeah. one another it was never for me difficult to go to church I've been serving the Lord eight, almost nine years now it's never been for me difficult to go to church last week we had an off weekend if I had to skip last week oh, Mr. Baptists my heart would have broken <laughs> something in me yearns and longs to be always with the people of God and I believe it's a natural outflow of our relationship with God I love God, but not the church. You cannot separate the two. I cannot say that enough. You cannot separate the two. So in preparation for just tonight, I, I found these two um, examples that I want to read for us. I found it quite funny, 
but I think it carries a lot of truth. Saying you don't go to church because the people are hypocrites is like saying I don't go to the gym because there's just fat people. And it's true. We come to the church and we're like, no, 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 there's just hypocrites here. They just judge me and, they, and, and I see them. I see them sin. I, I call them out. And I'm just like, bro, you called nobody out. We know we're sinners. <laughs> like, really? Like, there's nobody that needs to tell me I'm not a sinner. Like, that's clear. But then we try to point the figure, finger at other people and like, sinner, 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 sinner. It's like, oh, you too, bro. Welcome to the club. We don't have jackets. Okay? <laughs> so we cannot expect. I think it's a beautiful thing when fat people go to the gym because they're actually doing something about it. It's when we point the finger at those people and saying, huh, you don't do anything about it. Going on, I think some of you might be visiting here and looking for a church, and this is not directed at you directly, but I've seen people have this mentality about searching for churches. People go around church hopping and hoping to find a perfect church. They go around from church to church to church to church, and then they find the perfect church. But I want to encourage you, don't join that perfect church because it won't be perfect anymore. Because you were joining it. And that's the big thing. If you go and look around for a perfect church, please don't join it because you're going to ruin it. You're going to spoil that church, man. Because the reality is that we're all sinners needing a savior. Come on. And the only thing between us and those not in the church is we just admit it. They just are stubborn yet to admit that they're sinners needing a savior. And that's why we are here together. The church is not a model show for perfect people. It's actually a hospital of broken, lost people that has many struggles, many difficulties, many heartaches. Many of you are sitting here painting, but you're here together with the family of God. I want to say, if you're going to be with us longer than probably a week, somebody's going to irritate you. I promise you. Okay? If you're going to be with the church of God, Somewhere in here, you're not going to like. And I'm going into the practical things now. Girls, I'm speaking to you now. Okay? I got married about two years ago. Um, yes. Brigitte's doing well. <laughs> Thank you for asking. And in our marriage, I've seen that girls is quite obsessed with their hair. I don't know why, but it's always like, they speak a lot about hair. Guys, it's just like, I woke up like this. Literally, I woke up like this. I haven't told my hair in like seven years. <laughs> I woke up like this. But ladies, you're going to be here. And there's going to be a puppy worshipping in front of you. Her hair is going to look like Rapunzel. It's going to be long. It's going to be always perfectly conditioned. And you're going to look at it. And your hair can't grow further than your ears. And you're going to look at this lady. And you're going to be like, Yo. Yo. The Lord has blessed her. But actually, I'm seeing she's taking a little bit of pride in her hair. She's actually very self-centered, that lady. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, I can't worship next to her anymore. Then you can stand on the other side or in front of her. Or you go kneel here in front because you're more spiritual than her. And you do all of these different things. And all of a sudden, your heart starts to detach from them. Or some of the guys. There's always that guy in school that bullied you, maybe. 
or that guy from work, like their face just irritates you. Like, you just, people have that faces, and you look at them and you're like, Lord, why did you bring him to church? <laughs> really, you're laughing because it's true. And that person is standing next to you or in front of you, and you, they remind you of your school bully, and you're just like, you don't like that person. Something in your heart is just like, I want to be, I, would, I just want to move myself away from them. Or the big thing I've heard is, I've, I think I've heard it in this week. And that I'm an introvert, but those people, that's so loud. You see, man, can't they just like, like a sitter? They look too much for me. I'm a, I'm a more introvert type person, and I like to be alone with the Lord. As if that's more spiritual. The thing is, the Lord has placed us all together. One, deal with it. And we're going to look, look into that a little bit now. 1 John 4, verse 20 to 21. Who of you loves God? If you love God, then you'll love the scripture. Here we go. 1 John 4. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. What? Whom he has seen. He cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Once again, we have an example. We cannot divorce the two. Your love for God will, will be parallel to your love for people. Because you receive love, you give love. You receive forgiveness, you give forgiveness. You receive grace and mercy and joy, you give that. It cannot be separated. And I want to say that this commandment given here is not something on an emotional basis. This is actually a decision of your will to love people. To do it when you love it. To do it when you don't like it. And to do it until you like it. It's on our will. The Bible speaks about love in this way. It is the work of love. Love takes work. If you get married, you'll say, Henry, that preach is a yes and amen. It is the work of love. I don't every day wake up feeling like, you see, I have a dream. And then I look at Rikita's face and I'm like, oh, lovey-dovey. No, I sometimes wake up grumpy. And I need to get over myself and say, I choose to love her today. But she needs to make the same decision. Then <laughs> 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 to, to carry on, and I don't want to rant too much, but maybe a little bit on this one. Anyway, I, I love everyone in the church, but I don't like everyone. I love everyone, like there's really this love for these people, there's compassion, but I'm struggling to like everyone in this church. I think that's a cop-out, really. I really believe you need to see the Bible for what it is, and this is what it is, that every human being is created in the image of God, that there's something of the image of God in each individual, even the extrovert, the lady with the long hair and the bully in your classroom is made in the image of God. That there's something of God hidden within every single person. There's gold that you can find in everyone. Yes, some people is more difficult than others to find them. Yes, I'm well aware of that. And I struggle with that on a weekly basis. I also have those personalities that 
I need grace upon grace and Holy Spirit infilling every time I'm there. But I choose to love them. I choose to, to find Christ in them. I choose to find um, something of Jesus in them. If I feel like it, I don't feel like it until I find that thing. Christ is hidden also within this person. That's good. So I want to lay down three challenges for us in closing. If there is a person, challenge number one, if there is a person that you are struggling with at this moment in the context of this body, yeah, start off with praying for them. Because usually we love to moan about them, but we don't pray for them at all. Pray for them. But don't just leave it at prayer and let two, four, six, nine months go past. In your praying, reach out in that same week. Maybe this week so. Reach out to them. Find a person that you don't like and you're like, Jesus, I love them. I love them. I'll give myself to them. Invite them over for dinner and don't ask them to bring anything. Just bless them. The Bible says we need to outdo one another in showing honor. It says that if you have something against your brother, leave your gift at the altar and go make right with your brother and sister. Who of you just worship the Lord with something in your heart? Because actually, the Lord first you say, sort this out, then you come back here. But if you don't sort this out, this will not be sorted out. The two is together with one another. So challenge number one, well, I want to encourage you, go to that person that you struggle with. Maybe in your cell group, in your community, reach out to them, love them, pull them in, and find the gold of Jesus Christ in them. Amen. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the daily drawing near. The writer of Hebrews is writing here to us that's saying, Jesus is coming soon. Very soon. Guys, if we, if we don't live with the expectation that Jesus can come tonight. Jesus can come tonight. What importance will that test be that you stress about if Jesus is coming tonight? Not much. We need to lift our eyes. And I'm saying your, your test is not important. There needs to be always a spirit of excellence in us. Yes. But in view of eternity, in view of the bigness of Him, let us not neglect be, being together and meeting together. I think some of us might feel a little bit burdened through this message and say, Henry, this is too much. Every day, every day, let's, let's just be a little bit reasonable here. I want to say, yes, we live in a different age. We definitely live in a different generation. That busyness is, is something. It is a real thing for us. But I want to say, if every week you have an excuse, if every week you find something, it might be a good excuse. I understand that. Yes. But I, I am very sure of it. We all can find every single week a good excuse not to join the gathering of the saints. 
I want to encourage us, let us not make that a pattern in our lives to prioritize the things of the world above the things of God. I know people that you will be fall on your back how busy they are. But they are at every community, they are at every prayer meeting, and they are at every Sunday service because they prioritize that, prioritize that, prioritize that as they see the day coming closer. Amen? Amen. So I want to challenge us, number one, that person, go to them. Number two, let us consider how to serve one another today as we see the day drawing near. And lastly, I'm going to read two more scriptures for us. Hebrews 13 verse 2 says the following. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Do you know in showing hospitality to some people, you might have allowed an angel into your house, scripturally, publicly, that there might be a stranger in your house and the Lord has sent the angel to dine with you. Not my words, it's the Bible. Matthew 10 verse 42 says the following. And I must say, I, I quite dislike that the Lord places this in the Bible. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Many of us can have many excuses. Henry, you spoke about the fridge analogy. I don't have a fridge. I don't have food. I don't have money. The Lord dims it down. Whatever you have, even if it is a cup of water and you give it to somebody, for my name's sake, you will not lose your reward. My third challenge is, who are you inviting into your house? And do you have an open house, flat, race, I don't know, whatever you, wherever you live, policy in your life? If you have visited myself and Brigitte's house, Anyone, even if it's once, you would have most probably heard both of us or one of us say, we have a spare room, there is a bed, you can come and sleep over whenever you like, we have Wi-Fi, we pay for it, so come and enjoy it, we have a couch, come and sleep on the couch like Martha slept on our couch this week. Come to us, because we have an open house policy, you can just come. We're not always going to entertain you, but you can come, just be with us, live with us. Wash our dishes, <laughs> whatever you like. That person you don't like. Do not neglect the gathering of the saints. And lastly, do you have an open house policy to live with the people of God? There's a, I studied theology and I started my, my honours and I stopped about six months ago and I would love to continue a little bit later to do my masters and then also my, my doctorate degree uh, in theology and the Lord laid a, a topic on my heart that I want to actually write about and I'm very passionate about and this is the topic that I believe the Lord has given me that the church of Jesus Christ is the answer to oppose apartheid South Africa. The Church of Jesus Christ is the answer to oppose apartheid South Africa. Quickly look around you. And I'm ending with this, Mike, you can keep coming and hand over to you. Quickly look around. Look them in the eye. It might be awkward. Look at these people. I know we have twins here, except them. There's nobody that looks like you. 
There's different cultures sitting around us, languages, shapes and sizes, different hair colors, eye colors, different hobbies. No hair. No hair. Praise the Lord. They're very blessed. Um, <laughs> and as you look around them, certain of these people don't think the same way you think. They have different sin, sins and baggage and things like that. But something unites, and this is, it's a miracle. It's truly a miracle from the Lord Jesus Christ is His church. That this is the answer. This is truly a miracle that the Lord can gather so many strange and different people into one place, worshipping, fixing eyes on Christ and Christ alone. I want to say, do not neglect the miracle that is called the Church of Jesus Christ, living together and embracing the fullness of what the Lord has enabled it to be. Sure. Amen. Amen. Amen.